Hello and welcome to the seventh episode of Who's Next. A week later than usual, after a nice break in Greece, I'm back to rainy London to record this intro. If you're listening for the first time, Who's Next is a bi-weekly podcast which signs a light on successful women, sharing their stories to celebrate them and for others to learn from. I strongly believe in collaboration over competition and investing time to support and learn from others to help reach gender equality. This podcast is about visibly and purposefully lifting others up to reflect those values. At the end of each interview, I'll ask my guests who's next, giving them an opportunity to nominate and celebrate a brilliant woman they know and find inspiring. My guest today is Carol Russell, who was nominated by Jane Evans, founder of the Uninvisibility Project and who's next guest from episode four. They met each other on a film course where they both realised they knew writer and publisher Verna Wilkins and have been close and supportive friends of each other ever since. Jane said of Carol, she's an amazing woman and we have the most incredible chats. Carol is a TV writer, traditional storyteller, founder and consultant. In this episode, we discuss the ups and downs of Carol's career so far and delve into what led Carol to found Fresh Voices UK an organisation which aims to increase the representation of black, Asian and minority ethnic voices in the TV industry. She's such a smart, inspirational and lovely person. I hope you enjoy listening to this episode. Hello and welcome, Carol Russell, to Who's Next? (laughs) Thank you. So exciting to have you here. Um, So you were nominated by the lovely Jane Evans, who is your friend. Yes, she is. Um, and what she said was that you guys have these like epic long phone conversations. Yes. Um, where you kind of discuss all things like putting the world to rights and yeah. stuff. She was like, I'll try and schedule it in, in one of those. <laughs> um, so I'm so glad that it came to fruition. Um, so I thought just to start off, if you could tell me a little bit about kind of you and what you've got on at the moment, what you're excited about. So your, your Twitter handle says that you're a TV writer, a traditional storyteller and consultant. Um, and we were just talking that you've had a very, um, like a portfolio career, so you've yes. done lots of things. So what yes. are you doing at the moment and kind of how have you got there? Oh, I'm writing at the moment and um, I am writing plays, I'm writing television, screenplay series. And um, I'm also, uh, I've got a commission to write a Radio 4 drama. Amazing. I can't talk about it just now, more than that, just now, but <laughs> I've got teaser. Gonna, yes. <laughs> I'll let you know. Um, and what sort of things do you write? Oh, I really like um, fantasy and sci-fi. I do also like um, work that allows me to explore different emotions and different situations. So looking at looking at something that we think we know from a slightly different point of view. You founded Fresh Voices UK. Yes. So if you could tell me a little bit about that, that's great. Right, yes. Well, that came about because around about 2011, which is when I set the company up, I had, there'd been a, quite a few uh, conferences about diversity in the TV industry, TV and film industry, and there was a lot of hand-wringing and I thought to myself, mm, the hand-wringing, this isn't helping us. We need to be actually doing something. So what exactly are we doing? And so I talked to um, a lot of BAME writers um, over wine. <laughs> always wine. The best way. <laughs> There's always got to be wine. <laughs> and... Um, I found out what was bugging them and they were the same kinds of things that were bugging me. And the thing I, I, I remember finding out that was that really there were about four working BAME writers, mm-hmm. writers of colour, in the UK at that time. And um, I just thought that was ridiculous, mm-hmm. absolutely ridiculous. And when I talked to the writers and talked about the feedback that they'd got on their scripts, um, a lot of the time, what it showed was that if you don't understand the world that someone has written about, if it's not in prose, people can't read it because they don't, un- they don't know the voice, they don't know the circumstances, they don't know the situation, and they don't know the culture. 
And that therefore means that they're reading it and they're going, well, I wouldn't do this. And so they then think, well, no one would do this. They switch off to that narrative. Yes, yes. So um, that was a lot of the feedback I got from writers. And so I thought, well, how can I help producers and commissioners come into our world and understand our worlds better. Um, and I thought, actually, if I took someone's script and stood it up and invited an audience, that would work because then they would be able to see it and feel it. And if I also invited uh, an audience of ordinary viewers, I would be able to show the producers and the commissioners, through what I call the Simon Cowell effect, <laughs> what the audience wants. So um, I was walking around telling everybody that this is what I'm going to do. When I set up this company, I'm going to do this. And a friend introduced me to an, a friend of hers who introduced me to somebody else who was working for the BBC at the time. And the BBC at that time were the chair of something called CDN, which is the Creative Diversity Network. And they had a bit of money. And so I put in a proposal and um, I got it. I got this money and I'm a BAFTA member. So I went to BAFTA and I said, listen, <laughs> this is what I want to do. Because actually you, you have, there are lots of us that are members, but not enough of us are working right now so this is what I intend to do and they said right okay yes we'll give you a discount on everything and so because I didn't know how it was going to work and I didn't know what was going to be required of a writer I decided to use one of my own scripts first so that, to start. <laughs> yes, because I just thought you knew it. I didn't want to put someone in a position that I had never been in, mm. and then it'd be hard for them. You must have had your suspicions if you thought you were going to save someone else by putting yes. first. Yes, I did. <laughs> <laughs> I did. So I um, invited the then um, drama commissioner of the BBC, whose name was Ben Stevenson, and he said yes. And I was kind of shocked and surprised, but just kind of, <laughs> And I invited um, a producer-director, Andrea Calderwood, and I invited a, a writer, Tony Grounds. And Tony Grounds, one of his series is called Our, Our Girl um, yeah. on BBC. And Tony is a fabulous man, really, really, really good man, and supportive of writers. So I'd sent them the script. I then got a group of actors together and um, a brilliant um, script editor, whose name is Kat Reynolds. And we, together, we reworked that script with the, with the actors and Kat. And I was writing overnight. It's a, there's a theme coming. I was writing overnight and then um, we put it on. What was, the, um, what was the story? It was called Meet the Wilsons, and it was um, the story of three generations of African Caribbean, of an African Caribbean family um, trying to negotiate 21st century British life. So it was just a family drama, really. And how did, how did it go being the first, first kind of example of that process? It was really good. It was really, really good. So my panel had read the script first, everybody else that came, I invited the entire industry, I would say three quarters of the industry came. Wow. I invited um, an audience, a, t a TV watching audience, and we put it on, we stood it up, and because there was a real live audience, the producers and my panel were getting a real live um, response to what they were seeing and so when we sat later after the after the the, um, the showing and they were asking me questions there were some tough questions like 
what is the hook? And that was the first time I really heard that question properly. I've been asked it before, but that was the first time I really heard it. I guess you also heard it because it was your yes. analysis of your story. Yes. So the hook being, what is the thing that is going to bring us back to this show every week? Why will people care? Why will people care? Why will they return? They may care, but will they come back? Okay. So I thought, right, okay. And there were lots of questions from the audience, so from the industry and ordinary viewers and the panel. And it was really, really good. And it also was a window for the ordinary audience um, to see how television gets made, what the kinds of questions that they're asking writers. So hopefully it was helpful in allowing people into that process just a bit more. So it was really good. It was really, really good. So that was the beginning of Fresh Voices. Yes. And you kind of put your own kind of script out there for analysis to get people understanding that you need, maybe they need a bit of hand-holding to yes. come into a different culture yes. and to and yes. display in a different world. Um, what, like, kind of what's your journey been to date? So 2019, mm -hmm. do you think that there's more representation of BAME um, in mainstream media? And kind of, like, how have you been involved in that? There are more BAME writers writing and working, and for that I am so grateful because I and I think that doing what I did in 2011 was the beginning of helping people get aware of writers their work opening people's eyes to the fact that if you want if you're saying you want to do something you have to actually do something you can't there's no point wringing your hands and and complaining oh that, it's so bad there's not enough BME exactly and we don't know where to look and blah 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 and it had also been quite difficult for um, BAME writers to get agents because, understandably, agents are looking to get people work. And if they're not getting the BAME clients they've got work, they're not going to take on any more. So it needed, it, it felt to me like the, the industry needed shaking up. Mm. And that's what I hope I did. Amazing. Um, what, so what do you think your greatest success has been? I think my greatest success was uh, working with the company was then called Creative Skillset. It's now called Skillscreen or Screen Skill or something like that. Working with them and the London Film School to uh, create a BAME Writers Bootcamp. Uh, and what happened there was that it gave six writers the opportunity each time. It gave six writers the opportunity to create a pilot script for a series, um, meet producers that they wouldn't normally get a chance to meet, and, and pitch those stories to them. And the greatest achievement of that was getting more than half of the... Um, I don't want to call them students because they aren't students. The writers, getting more than half of them in a position where they could sell that script. Wow, so not just giving them the confidence and the skills, but actually being able to commercialise it as Yes. Well. That's incredible. Yeah. So advertising and kind of script writing are still, I'm sure there's still a lot to be done to improve diversity. Like what it almost what were you think looking forward? Like what needs to happen? What actions should organisations take? Should kind of yeah, I suppose organisations at first, but even at an individual level. I think in terms of um, organisations, I think the biggest, especially for BAME writers. The thing that needs to happen is that we get more BAME writers creating original drama series for British TV. We've got a couple now that I know have been picked up by Netflix. Netflix are doing great yeah, things. they're doing yeah, they're doing a fabulous job. They're 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 shaming in some ways the industry that we have here into saying, oh my God, we've got to, we can't let all of our writers 
go across the pond in the way that all of our BAME actors have gone across the pond, become famous like John Boyega and Idris Elba, mm. and it's only then they can come back and do something here. So if we don't want to lose all, all of those talented writers, we need to do something here. So I, I, I know there are a couple of things in the works. I'm really looking forward to seeing some of that original work. Um, so for you now, at the moment, what is success for you? And maybe how has that changed yes. in your career? Because I think so many people start out their careers and successes, getting more money, getting to the next stage, blah, 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 and then they kind of reach a bit where they're doing quite well, and they think, oh, what? <laughs> yeah. what, what is going to make me fulfilled and make me happy? Yeah. So it sounds like you're on a bit of a, a mission to continue improving the like, presence of those writers. Um, and then, yeah, how, what does success feel like to you? Success to me now, the thing that I love is that all of the activities that I was doing from 2011 to about 2017 um, have now been picked up by the rest of the industry and they're doing it now. So where I was having to try and raise money or use my own money to get things off the ground, people that other people are now running boot camps, um, other people are running competitions to get scripts from um, underrepresented groups. Uh, because when I say diversity, for me, diversity isn't just about being BAME, although that's what I am. It is, I really want to see and hear the stories from the LGBTQ um, community. I really, really want to hear the stories from the disabled community. I want to hear their stories from their point of view, not from my point of view as an able-bodied person, you know, coming down from on high to say, this is what I think the issue is. I want to hear those stories. So success to me looks like seeing more of that. Yeah, I think... Um there's a lot more of a move to our media, and it's still a long way to go, representing more what society looks like and all the different intersections of what that might yes. be. Um, challenges along the way. <laughs> Maybe there were many. Um, yes. I guess, what, like, what was your experiences of dealing with challenges and kind of what did you learn? I learned that perseverance is all, um, and very, very important. You know when you kind of think, I knew that, but now I really know that. <laughs> yeah, it's, the theory of perseverance yes. and then the, like, the blood, sweat, toil. Yes, because it's, it is, it's challenging it's, and it can be hard and you have to be prepared to keep going because talent, talent alone is not enough in anything. Um, I've realised it really isn't enough. Perseverance, determination is actually more than half, I'd say a good 80% of um, anyone's ability to be successful. Did you ever nearly give up? Yes. What? Yes. What kind of pushed you there? It was, oh God, it was looking at my television I think it was there were several times one was just before I set up Fresh Voices um, I am by nature uh, an optimist um, my friends will tell you I drive them crazy with it I don't it's not that I don't see and know the challenges is that I don't believe that those challenges should stop us. So I'm always looking for another angle on it. Love it. Like a route round. Absolutely. So but that but so just before I've been trying to get um an agent again, um it was impossible. The uh the environment had changed. Um, there was a time, really, I mean, there was a time where just having one good piece of writing would get you an agent. By sort of 2010, it was, no, you also have, you have to have a couple of things, and if you've got a play, that's good, and if you've got a radio play, that's really good. And 
it was just ah so I need all of these things and a job in order to find an oh dear I don't know how I'm going to do that <laughs> and I tried and tried and pushed and pushed and pushed and again that's when I started the process of realizing why it was so difficult for 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 me to find an agent and for people to find, uh, find an agent and why it was so difficult for agents to take us on and it really was because there was nothing out there for us to do nobody was looking for us so, so I couldn't refer to previous work because no one would let you get that work out there yeah, yeah or the previous work was um like for me when I started writing for television I started writing children's television and what I didn't realise was that that, can, that became a bar to making the leap to, the nine, to being a nine o'clock writer. And I therefore had the, the problem of breaking down the barrier in everybody's head to me moving from children to writing for adults. And I... I I was banging my head against my own sofa. I just thought, I can't. And I was talking to friends and having a good old mumble, as my brother calls it, I mean, a mumble. And I was having a mumble and I was just, and I thought, okay, I've had the mumble now. What can I do? What is it I can do? There must be something I actually can do. And I'm a friend of mine, um, Julie, is the kind of person who, who doesn't really ever take no for an answer. <laughs> and I thought, I'm going to channel Julie. Like with your optimism and her persistence. Yes, absolutely. So that's what I, that's what I did. And so I thought, let me start by um, collecting some data from people and um, figure out from there what to do. So that's the first time. And then... And that was where the Fresh Voices was That's born. right. And then um, a couple of years back, again, it was kind of like, oh, we'd had in conversation with kind of um, events. I brought directors and writers together. I worked with Directors UK to do that. I had been given uh, the space by ITV to, um, to have an in conversation with event with Andy Harris, who is the CEO of Left Bank, who is really, I mean, at the moment, they are just doing so many brilliant things. And I just thought, yeah, these things are good, but we, what we actually need is somebody to give us money to, to, allow, <clears throat> to allow writers to... Um, have the time and the space and the support to write a, a pilot script and that was tough trying to find anybody to give me that money with mm. people kind of go yeah mm -hmm. good uh, idea yeah yeah, yeah so you had no 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 no, no, no. exactly and then i met a woman um ruth palmer who now works for a company called c21 and at the time she was working for what was creative skill set and we had a, she heard me ask a question at an event and she came over and spoke to me and she asked me what would it take and I told her and she said right okay I did you, what, you told her like a cold hard number I didn't give her a cold hard number what I told her was I think what we need is a boot camp we need a space where people can be properly supported as they create the script that is now required by the industry before they'll even take you seriously. You have to have created a series you, and you can't do that on your own with no help and support or people who know how, how it's done. And she said, right, okay, I'm gonna introduce you to somebody. And she introduced me to a man whose name is Archie Tate and at the time he was running short courses at um, he was the head of short courses at the London Film School and we met sat down and we got on like a house on fire and he said you can do your course at the London Film School and that's all Ruth needed to be able to say right okay 
let's put in the application from the London Film School. Um, so it's uh, an, in association with, and let's see what happens. And we got the money. And so that was the very first one. And so was it, um, so could people apply? Was it paid for? Yes, it was paid for. Okay. So people could apply. Although I always believe in not giving anybody anything for free. Mm. I learnt that back in the day when I used to work in youth clubs. So they don't realise the value, is They it? don't realise the value if you don't, if they don't have to pay anything. Or, skin in the game. Yeah, you've got to have some, some skin in the game. So it was a, a nominal fee, but it was a fee. Um, and for people who weren't earning a lot of money doing the job they wanted to do, it, it still was a good chunk of money. It was £300. Yeah. Uh, so we did that. And it was oh, that moment, getting, hearing that we got the money and we were able to run the boot camp was, it made all of the other stuff worthwhile. Mm. The kind of murky thinking, because I guess the initial question was whether any time that you were going to give up. But luckily, in both of those situations, kind of yes. really rock bottom. Yes. And then, yes. Julie, Ruth, yes, exactly. Good support from exactly. other people and Archie who kind of got on board. Um, so you've kind of mentioned them as some support that you've had. Like, who else, like, where do you get your support from? Um, I get my support mainly from um, my friends um, because I know I can always go and have a mumble. Mm -hmm. um, I'm going to take on that phrase, I love it. <laughs> is that when you're kind of, you're in the issue and you just need to talk about it in like a bit of a negative way? Yes, yeah. absolutely. So you've got to have that space where like, you can ooh. be negative mm. so that you can talk yourself out the other side. And that's, yeah. I love doing that. I've always done that, which is why my brother calls it, you know, Carol's having a mumble. <laughs> yes, I am. I'm yeah. having a mumble. Because um, I find it really helpful and useful to get all of the negative things out. Mm. Because it also, it, it, clear, it feels like it makes room in my head for something else to flow in. Mm. It's like get rid of all the stormy clouds. Yes. In the mumble. Yes, exactly. Exactly. So that's, that was one time. And the other time was... The beginning of this year, really. Really? I had gone to LA. Um, I'd been taken there because I had become involved with a company called Media Exchange, who are amazing. Um, and they had taken on um, 15 writers and they were running a kind of boot camp, like my boot camp. And I was going, yes, good, good. Yeah. Um, and but they could take it to a level that I couldn't, including taking us out to LA. To the scale. Yes. So we met agents over there. We met managers over there. We met showrunners over there. We went to, we went to production companies. I met Shonda Rhimes. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> My hero. Did you play? It? Did you play it cool? I did just about just about held it together. I've got no chill. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's, uh, yeah. Really, I don't have very much chill, but I was kind of the, oh my god, oh my god, oh my god. Oh my god. <laughs> Hi, Shonda. <laughs> yes, exactly. So, um, so they, they were able to do all of that, and then this I This is came, all sounding really good. What happened? I know. <laughs> I came back, um, and it was really tough, and I realised that I had an agent and the agent hadn't done a single thing for me. I hadn't had a single meeting mm -hmm. through this agent at all. And in fact, one of the writers um, that I was working with in, in, on this media exchange programme, she was getting me meetings, more meetings than my agent. <laughs> what is this? What's going on? And I got, so I got back, we had Christmas, and in January I was just like, oh, I can't, I can't do this anymore. I don't know if I can do this anymore. I need to have work and I need work now. And I didn't know how, what to do, how to get it. Um, so I was, I think it was April. April was the month of the black dog. Uh. And I was just, I remember lying on my sofa and watching um, binge watching uh, The Good Doctor 
and just kind of going and, and crying because you know it was kind of, <laughs> 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 kind of when am I going to get to write a you? Yeah. So yes, um, and I just and then I got angry, mm. and I I was furious, marching up and down in my house, furious at this, and then. The same friend, and her name's Vivian Harvey, the same friend had managed to get me read by a Radio 4 producer. Oh, wow. Who then commissioned me to be in the team to write on this thing that I can't tell you about just yet. The top secret, but very exciting yes. thing that brought you out of yes. your yes. black dog yes. phase. And out of that, I then said, I had this play that I was writing and I wanted to finish it. And so I gave myself the almost artificial deadline of entering it in, into um, a prize. And, and the, that was finished last Wednesday. And that was finished Wednesday, just gone. Oh, just yes. Gone. And um, it's really given me energy to forge forward again. And I just, yeah. I'm very grateful to all my friends, all the people that I meet who add something to my life. Yeah, yeah, because um, you kind of, when you started saying you're a very optimistic person, and something that really interests me, because I'm quite an optimistic person, is that even the most optimistic people need their friends and support and, and reach those bits that are like, oh, yeah. I can't see a way out. Um, so yeah. I'm so glad that you're like on the yes. upward Yes, I think it's important to have those... Um, whatever you call them, you know, black dog moments, yeah. because I think that you can't, no one can travel on the mountaintops all the time. No. You have to go you down into no the valley. contrast either. Abs exactly, and contrast is, I think, one of the most important things that creates change. Mm. Without that contrast, we don't see the need for change. Also, interestingly, the three um, kind of down in the valley low points were right before, you know, like the darkest yes. times before the dawn, yes. before really great things yeah. happened. Start fresh voices, yes. you know, like the kind of big peaks that yes. came afterwards. Um, so I think that's quite inspiring to hear as well that you kind of muck through, mumble, wallow, yes. have a terrible time, <laughs> um, but then try and like get that support um, from others and yeah. try and get out of it. I remember. Um, Thing I really like that Jane said is that she can like chat you for the womanist view, <laughs> and yes. so she was like, sometimes I won't say the right thing, but Karen and I will chat, I'll learn, and then <laughs> yeah, um, like what yeah, what's your kind of style of support, or like how do you like to support others? I don't know quite how to describe it. The way it feels to me is that I'm giving them my energy. Um, is that not quite draining? No, no. I, I don't know why. Mm. I find it really invigorating. Oh, good. It's so, like sharing the energy. Yes, so it, I, get, I get as much as I give in, in, in any um, two-way yeah, exchange. Yeah. So I'll, I'm there to talk. I'm an ear. Yeah. Um, I'm, if you need help in terms of uh, practical help with the writing... I'm there, I'll read, I'll, I'll give you my opinion. Um, always saying, it is just my opinion, you do what you feel is best. <laughs> caveat. Uh, always caveated. Um, and I, now, it's, it's much more for me about being there. Just being there. And I think, yeah, because it... Like obviously your personality enjoys, and I do as well. Like um, kind of that being able to help someone else, and then you do you feel yeah energy and happiness. But also it's a two way thing because you're happy because your friend's happy. And yeah, and also the stuff coming out of your mouth sometimes mm. is the very thing you need to hear. So the fact that that person is sitting opposite you or on the phone with you, mm. are and drawing that those words from you for them for them and then you realise mm. you know I, need to I should take too. some of my own advice yeah. exactly yeah some of the most kind of energising conversations I've had when a friend's like in a pickle at work yeah. and we're like setting the world to right we're going to sort it out and then you think actually 
Um, something I should yeah. think about as well. Yeah. And, and you get, yeah, you kind of both get empowered. I love that, that the energy is more, not kind not of going less. what less. That's yeah. right, which is why, I mean, friends of mine often say, my God, I just don't know where you get the energy from to give so much. And I'm saying, where do you I'm get not, energy? Apart from give, like empowering others. I get it from the, the, the thing that happens between. Yeah. That's like where the, the energy. interaction. Yeah. yeah. That's where the energy comes from. I love it. Yeah, the, one of the reasons why I want to start this podcast is I think there is such energy in enabling other people to tell their stories, learning from them, and kind of it's like a it's like a snowball. I think yeah. like it because then that that story goes like I mean everyone there's a lot on the kind of power of stories and being able to yes. really tell the stories and stuff. Um, and I'm always very in awe of writers. I think it's a it's like a magical gift. <laughs> That's what it is in my head. <laughs> You've got kind of. It is kind of. Yeah, I've got a magical yeah. gift. Yeah. You've got a magical yeah. gift. <laughs> yeah. um, was there ever a time when, so you kind of mentioned with your agent not getting you the, um, like you were kind of having some struggles trying to get your stuff out there and actually a friend coming in. Was there any time that you were actually really not getting some support or felt that, because I think, just trying to think of, if someone's listening and they're, they're feeling like, oh, I, I don't have support right now, like, have you ever been in that stage and kind of what did you have to do to get out of it? There have been, yes, there have been times when I've not had what I would call industry support. I have the support of my friends, but they couldn't get me to work. Yeah. So, that was nice. They were important but not influential. That's right, Exactly. Um, so I have I have felt that I felt um, what is it that I need to do to get especially an agent to who will love me and my work see that I work hard I am mainly cheerful and want to represent that in this industry and the stories I want to tell. I feel, I don't feel supported in that way right now. Um, but I am trying everything I know how to get that. Like sending the vibes, like come on industry. Yeah. <laughs> Pull and, yourself together. And talk and telling people. Cause yeah. I, 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 one of the other things I realized was that you have to talk. You can't keep mm. things to yourself. If you keep them to yourself, then nobody knows and nobody can help you. So if you talk about them, then you just don't know who you're talking to, who might be, who might say, you know what, mm. I might be able to help you with that. It's like um, you have like a vision board or something, putting something out there into the world, like telling people, they tell someone, and then yes, I've got a good feeling. Sure, <laughs> sure, it'll come back. Yeah, I think it will. I think it's on its way. Um, do you have any advice or wisdom that you'd like to live by? <laughs> this too shall pass. Oh, I love that. That's like when you're in the mumble. <laughs> Absolutely. The Absolutely. Yeah. It, that's really important. I think I've lived by that for, oh gosh, more years than I care to remember. <laughs> but yes. But it always passes. It, it always does. Mm. Um, and if you could apart from that piece of advice, if you think back to when you were like earlier in your career, what was there any piece of advice that you would give young Carol? Act like a white man. Mm. You're not the first person to say that. Mm. I know. Um, <laughs> yeah, um, Stephanie Matthews, I'm not sure if you heard. Do you know her? No. I think I do, you know. Oh, so she works at Virgin, um, but she, she, wanted to get, so she was one of the episodes, I think episode three, and she uh, wanted to get a white, older male uh, mentor, because she's like, I want, to, <laughs> I want to know how he thinks, know how he has confidence, um, and then get that energy to do what she does. And she said they have a great relationship with Roger, is her, <laughs> is her mentor. And he cannot understand her insecurities and stuff, but. It, it, in a way it's good because he's like go for it do it yeah um so yeah interesting that you yes. said that as well yes absolutely because yeah just watching uh, in my industry especially where um only 14 percent of um episodes or dramas are written by women full stop it's crazy of every color and stripe mm -hmm. 
which means that they're really up there's just so many 80s is 86 yeah that means there's 86 percent of all everything else on tv is written by white men mm. and some people who have no experience at all and but because they have the confidence to say i have a vision and this is my vision people go i believe you i believe that you'll be able to execute that vision and i do think that um women and women of color we come in with imposter syndrome and then we kind of mumble and nobody really hears what we've got to say and I just think if we learn, we can, we can learn from those white men. Just say it. Yeah. People will either love it or they'll hate it. And if they hate it, yeah. they'll come up with something else. I, that's what I've seen. That's what I've watched white men do. Yeah. And I think, good on them. I'm going to do that too. Love it. Absolutely love it. Um, so who do you find inspiring? What do, where do, what do you Oprah. Think? Oh my goodness. Oprah is just a powerhouse. Oh yes. <laughs> Oprah and Ava DuVernay. Ava DuVernay. Ava DuVernay is a director. She's an African-American director. She, um, she directed a film called Selma with David Oyelowo playing um, Martin Luther King Jr. And she's just written and directed, co-written and directed a uh, a series on Netflix called When They See Us. Obviously, I, that's on my want to watch list. I watched it last night. Tears? Especially in the last one. Because I, 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 that last one, it just, I, was, I was angry as well, furious. She is brilliant. Incredible. She, yes. She is, she, I think she came out of advertising. She was an adver advertising director. And she is inspiring to me because what she has done in America, she has made space, more space, especially for women um, and women of, uh, women of colour. And she, she brings people on. She builds people up. She tells their stories. She... she bigs them up on Twitter. It, it's the only reason why I'm not leaving social media. I love it. Yeah, having that positive energy. Yes. Um, Jamila Jamil, who I'm yes. a big fan of, but she said in an interview recently, make space, don't take space. Yeah. And uh, she was like, there's a lot of um, like rhetoric or discussion of like, if there's a new South Asian woman, like so she's here, yeah. it's like, move over, blah, blah, blah. And she's like, no, you don't need to move over. Like, we can both be here. And so I love that kind of idea of making space. And that's, yeah, like, something I like to live by. Absolutely. It's like, you don't have to compete for, like, a, a, with other women. You don't have yeah. to compete with another black woman. Yeah. You, can, you can both be there. Yes. And you can both be brilliant. Yes. And, and actually, that's what we need to be telling our various industries. Yes. The, the cake is not yay big, yeah. tiny, tiny. Yeah. The cake is big enough for all of us to get a slice. So yeah. let's bring in more people yeah because i um i just think it's such a dangerous narrative that's been told for so long that you're lucky to be in the boardroom you're lucky to be a female writer you're lucky and so people think that it's uh, an exception yes whereas like if you start saying actually you can have as many as you want yes. <laughs> like keep yes like and growing the idea rather than oh there's one spot to be had and the other thing i i <laughs> i like is the idea that we should be allowed to be mediocre too. Yeah. Social because media doesn't let you do that though. No. Mm. I know. But we should be allowed to be mediocre as well. Yeah. And just... It's fine. Exactly. It's fine. <laughs> it's literally and, fine. <laughs> and it's, it's the space in which you learn. Because yeah. making the mistakes is what teaches you what not to do. Mm. So the idea that we've got to come in at the top of our game and yeah. we've got to be hitting the ball out of the park. Well, that's what makes imposter syndrome because people yes. think they have to be perfect and you don't. Exactly. And I'm in, uh, involved in this, um, a women's network called Bloom and we've got an event coming up about failure because it's one of those things that we just don't talk that much about and it happens and actually as you were saying some of the times when you felt like you're failing are the ones you learn from the most yeah. because then you have that 
maybe mediocre bit where you're trying to get out of it and then suddenly boom you're back on on not necessarily even on top but just back on the kind of <laughs> the treadmill or whatever where like feeling okay yeah. getting kind of getting your confidence back up and stuff and actually for those failure points rather than skimming over them and no one talking about them it's really important to talk about them it really is um so yeah so interesting um this this is random extra bonus questions you're saying about um the uh, your netflix recommend uh, what so is there anything that you'd say if there's one thing that someone listened to read oh gosh <laughs> read um it would have to be Beloved by Toni Morrison. Do you know what? My, my dad actually bought it for me. I haven't read it yet. Okay. Yeah, that, that, that one will have the tears coming yeah, down the Yeah, that's what I thought. Well. I yeah, wasn't emotionally yeah, ready. Yeah, yeah. And that's fair enough. The same is true of um, When They See Us, um, yeah. the Ava DuVernay thing on Netflix. Yeah. Um, that, When They See Us. Yeah, that's your watch. Yeah, and... If Beale Street could talk, oh, I haven't seen that either. Apparently Barry Jenkins. Oh as well. my God! I think because for me, it was really one of the things that was really, really important was to see black love on the screen. It, I, it made me realise that we don't see it enough mm. at all, mm. and while. Mixed relationships are great. Mm. There's nothing wrong with them at all. Mm. Those aren't the only relationships that are going on. And what it, what it made me realise was, actually, especially in this country, you would, be, you would think that black people don't like each other mm. because whenever we see black people on, in the media, they have a white partner. Yeah, it's true. Like when sometimes when you see something, you realise the absence of where it is everywhere. Yes, else. yes. Um, if Bill Street could talk. Yeah. Um, the adaptation of a James Baldwin novel. Yeah. Um, and it, it won a number of awards, didn't it? Yes. Yeah. It did. Beautiful. Oh my god. god. It looks stunning. Oh, it it's does. on my like watch list. So I definitely. Yeah. Watch it. I'm very lucky in that respect. Being a BAFTA member means oh, yeah. that yeah, I get to vote. That's so cool. Oh yes, so we get the, You've got we the get power. The, we get the films. <laughs> so before everybody else sees them. Yeah. <laughs> Exclusive yeah. premiere. Um, and then last thing, so who's next? I'd like to nominate Leonie Ross. And can you tell me a little bit about Leonie, please? Also how you met, because I love hearing this. Oh, right, wow. Um, um, Leone, Leone is a novelist and uh, a university lecturer, and we met 20 years ago. <laughs> You're so young. Yeah, exactly. I don't believe it could have been that long. <laughs> um, when a guy called Tony Fairweather, uh, who's a, a black producer, and for many, many years he brought over the African American writers, so he brought over Tony Morrison, um, Alice Walker. Um, Sapphire, I mean, all of the big, the, the, the writers that people think of now as huge, we never get them. He brought them over to the UK. And there was a show that he was doing with a writer called Terry McMillan, who wrote something called How Stella Got Her Groove Back. <laughs> and right he wanted to create a big show because he had, um, he'd hired the Brixton Academy huge space that, yes holds something like 3,000 people and he, he knew he was going to get that audience and the place was ran and there were still people outside and um, what he wanted to do was have the second half of the show be um, interview of uh, Terry McMillan but he wanted the first half of the show to celebrate black British writing and so he asked me to um, curate that first part of the Amazing. show and um, so I did my research and Leonie was uh, one of the writers that I just thought, wow, yeah. And so we met at her, the book launch of her very first novel. That's so nice. You're there for her whole writing journey. Yes. And, but before that, we actually met on the phone because she was interviewing me 
for the programme, because uh, she was a journalist as well. And so we were, it was only supposed to be like a you know, 40 minute, 45 minute call. Um, and we got on the phone and we, and I immediately realised, this is a Jamaican woman. <laughs> we're going to be talking for hours. <laughs> and we were. We talked for five hours. That's amazing. And then we met when I went to her book Did launch. Did you feel like you knew her when you Absolutely. met her? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, because we talked, I mean, we talked about where we gone to school, she's a St Andrews girl, I'm a Walmers girl, I mean it was just like, it was like, oh, I had not met anyone that had, like me, been born in this country, taken back to the Caribbean, mm. I went when I was that 14, way. I went when I was 14, she went really young, I think she was about six, and I went when I was 14, and I finished high school, and um, went to drama school, uh, there and then came back here um, so I've not met anybody who had that experience so it was really really good and it's why we're still friends now and you want to nominate her so what, what's kind of inspiring about her what, what part of her story do you like to be told she too is a woman who has not given up even though there were times when I know she was on the brink of it probably yeah. Um, and she's come out the other side and I just think hearing her story will, um, I think, inspire many women, young and old. Amazing. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. That million things I also wanted to ask and <laughs> <laughs> haven't got the time. have to have like a part two another Absolutely. time in the future. Um, it's been an absolute pleasure to talk to you. Thank, Thank you, you very much. Thank you. Thank you for listening. There are a lot of articles knocking about quoting the stat that most new podcasts fail by episode 7, but we got there. And I have some great guests lined up too. Gravitas coach Antoinette Dell Henderson, co-founder of Amazing If Helen Tupper, and diversity advocate and managing editor Nikki Kemp, to name a few. Please subscribe, follow, and share the episodes you enjoy with your friends. It all helps to allow more people to discover the podcast. Please follow on Instagram at whosnextpoduk to find out more. And if you have anyone you'd like to nominate or hear from, please email whosnextpoduk at gmail.com. Thank you.